0: Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week, we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Hey, welcome once again to Questions About Heaven, and that is the theme of all of our podcasts, and I really hope that you have your pencil and paper out or you're taking notes on your phone and you get some uh, answers through the scriptures in the proper context on what heaven is like. I want to thank you for joining us. I know that there are hundreds of podcasts that uh, carry this subject in a much superior way, and you've decided to take time and to uh, listen to our podcast and what we have about heaven. And so I'm going to promise you this, we do go to the scripture as much as possible. As a matter of fact, I want to uh, start you off with some very, very wonderful passages. You know, when I look at uh, Isaiah 55 and verse 1, it tells us, in the new heaven and new earth, on the new earth, we can come and buy food without any money. So there's uh, free food, uh, as we see there, and a wonderful celebration. You know, we talked about Matthew chapter 8, and we'll be feasting, and it even named individuals, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I also wanted to share with you Isaiah 60 and verse 18. And I know we forgot to talk about this earlier, but I also love this. Violence will never be heard again in your landlord. The pro- the prophecy Uh, It it also uh, states that there will be no more destruction. The degrading of the universe is not going to be there. What a great prophecy. Uh, What a wonderful hope for all of us. Now, we're going to continue again. As you know, in our previous uh, podcast, we had talked with Pastor Bobby McCoy. Uh, Bobby is here in East Tennessee with me. As a matter of fact, this is what's so funny. Bobby, uh, I'm going to start off as I get into the introduction Uh, this is kind of a a joke here. Bobby was in my youth, when I was a youth pastor uh, over in another part of East Tennessee, Bobby attended my youth group. Now, he was not a regular member, but he came on a regular basis for a while there. And so Bobby, who was in my youth group, is now my senior pastor. Talk about uh, a, a blessed turn of events.
1: Absolutely. Boy, that almost feels like it was a lifetime ago, but I look back on on uh, some of those youth activities, had a really good friend in school that invited me over, and and, and one thing I appreciate so much about Brad's ministry is it's always been centered around the truth of God's word, and so uh, youth groups and uh, youth programs can uh, almost take on take on a life of its own of sorts, but uh, it's it's an intentional effort to stay grounded in in Scripture, and um, Brad was doing that back then as a youth pastor, and has continued now even into this podcast, uh, keeping God's Word first and, and supreme in all things.
0: Well, We're going to be talking with Bobby here, and so what I want to do is let him introduce himself in a little more detail from our previous broadcast and, podcast, and uh, I will start off by saying this. When Bobby started coming to the youth group, I think one of the first things, and you can remind me about this, I think the first time that you came... We played floor hockey. Uh, would that sound about it right? And, and so when Bobby came and he said floor hockey and he kept grinning while he's knocking the lights out of people around the floor because hip checking was allowed in the youth group. We had all the guys out there for a time and he's over there. And then we had some different events. We had uh, some outreaches and uh, uh, youth events and he was out there mixing in the middle And then through the time, I retired from youth pastoring, went into different ministries, moved out west to Phoenix, and was involved in some Christian publishing and some local church work there. And I came back, and the friend that Bobby's talking about was also my youth group, a young man by the name of Doug. And Doug contacted me, and he said, well, would you like to... I was running a a Bible study for the University of Tennessee. Uh, It was an uh, off-campus, I'm not saying it was sanctioned by University of Tennessee, but it involved uh, bringing... Uh, UT students in for an in-depth Bible study. And so Doug had contacted me and said, would you like to have Bobby McCoy? Do you remember him? And I said, well, sure. Remember him, you know, bouncing around the floor. And he goes, well, something has happened. And he explained to me, which we're going to explain to you. And he said, I'd like to know, would you like to have him over? Bobby came over on more than one occasion. And the guys actually, guys and the girls actually just fell in love with him as he shared his testimony and also gave us a study. So, Bobby, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you now, I mean, you were athletic, you, you were an award winner, football correct, uh, you played basketball, and you can tell us the other sports, but he was all over the place in different things, and then something happened in college. So, for those of you that have not been involved in our previous podcast, I want Bobby to share before we go to our study, so you get to know him a little bit better.
1: Boy, I, tell you, I think that the idea of being involved in athletics is important just to understand the contrast from from then to now. Uh, but yeah, growing up as a, um, you know, from from uh, my my teen years into college, um, you know, you've obviously got the, the high school years in there as well. Uh, I was very active. Uh, football, basketball, baseball, track, cross country, you name it. I, I loved participating in sports and and competing, um, even in unofficial events, uh, I'd find myself in pickup basketball games and, you know, running uh, in the neighborhood. I had a, just a a lifestyle that was governed by athletics, competition, and uh, I enjoyed every step of the of the way there. Uh, I went away to school and I uh, graduated with a, a degree and had plans to go to seminary. And I started that first semester in seminary and. It was between semesters, because my plan was to finish up a master's degree in one year, uh, but it, um, I was involved in a horrific car wreck between semesters there of that, what I called the one year of seminary, uh, that, that trickled on after that. But um, I go from a lifestyle of being very active and involved and really just doing what I needed to on my own and, and to do as I pleased to being
0: dependent and needy in every aspect of life. All right, so now when that happened, tell us a little bit for for some of them. When the wreck, and I I hope you don't mind, we're going to go into some detail here, what exactly was in in, in the wreck? The car, without getting too deep in the weeds on the details, uh, two cars collided in the intersection and one spun, almost uh, just spun like a top, into the side of your car. And so what happened to you in that? Yeah. Well, it was about 1045 at night. I had been
1: with my fiance. Uh, she and I had had dinner together. Uh, it was a Wednesday. We were in church. Uh, she was a teacher in the area. But um, the the impact to my car, I, I took the, the hit right behind the driver's side door. And I uh, it sent my car spinning, uh, I had stopped there in the left turn lane getting ready to, to make the left hand turn, and I watched as the red light went from green to yellow to red, and I thought, hey, I'm going to play it safe, I'm going to play it safe and just come to a stop, and so instead of trying to beat the light, and there was nobody around me, uh, I just I put the car neutral, I was driving a stick shift, and the car rolled to a stop, and so car coming the other way, you know, he ran the red light. He hit a car that was making a right hand turn onto that road and then swerved and hit my car in the driver's side door. But the injury was sustained when uh, he hit the side of my car. It pushed the car in and it brought the roof of my car down on my head. And so the car's getting crushed in while the roof's coming down. And even though I was wearing a seatbelt, I, I still was coming up in the seat with the impact and my my body going up the roof of my uh my car coming down i i hit my head and uh, sustained a spinal cord injury in in my neck area
0: what what you said c what what's the term there
1: yes that would be cervical 5 and 6 vertebrae and so that is uh right there in in the mid to lower neck area uh, but yeah, that's cervical um, vertebrae numbers five and six. Number five was crushed; the, the bone was crushed. Uh, number six was dislodged, and it was pinching my my spinal cord. But while all of this is, is going on, I'm I'm unaware that I have a spinal cord injury. I, I after my car comes to a stop, I I can see out of the left corner of my eye. I can see asphalt, and so I knew that the car had been you know heavily damaged. I could look out my front windshield, which was shattered, and then I noticed a small trickle of blood coming down my forehead from my rearview mirror, which was just hanging ajar now by the wire that it was attached to there in the, in the uh, ceiling of the car. But I realized my car was running, and I tried to make the conscious effort to take my right hand to turn the key and to turn the ignition off, and nothing happened. And that's the first time I realized something's wrong. And then I began to realize my, my body from about mid-chest and below felt like it was on fire. And I kept looking at my body, expecting to see flames. You know, I'm, I'm smelling to see if there's heat. I just, it's, my my body feels like it's on fire. And, um, and, and and no, it was nerve damage caused as a result of that spinal cord injury. You're saying it felt like you felt a heat? Is that what you're saying? It was a, a heat and a burning sensation just all the way through my body. And so I can't move my body. I'm at this point I've gone beyond trying to just turn my ignition off. I'm trying to get out of my car to stand and my body just would not respond. It was such an odd sensation and and finally after trying to move, especially my right my right arm, my right arm fluttered up to my side and then it just collapsed back into my lap. I mean needless to say I was was horrified at this point.
0: How long was your therapy before they could safely say, you can move on your own in your wheelchair? How long did that take? I think probably the critical point was when they ran the
1: tests the night of the wreck, they uh, they realized that I had sustained the spinal cord injury and I would need surgery. But when they did this surgery, they realized that the cord itself was not severed. Uh, the spinal cord had been what they would call bruised or pinched, and that's consistent with that kind of, of injury, uh, What what's not consistent with that kind of injury is when the bone or the vertebrae shatters. A lot of times it just cuts right through the spinal cord. And on this occasion it did not. And so the doctors were very hopeful. They said, look, you know, you have, at, at this point in time, I can't move anything. And so the doctors are hopeful and they're saying, look, if we can get you in rehab, we'll begin the process. And it was about a seven week process of inpatient therapy that I went through at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia. And then after that, I did outpatient therapy back here in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, right up until my wedding date. And so, uh, uh, and even after we were married and after a short break, I went back to therapy for another year. Uh, but I still remember the first time um, going from the bed to my motorized wheelchair. And uh, they used a patient lift. Sometimes it's called a Hoyer device, uh, just by the, the brand that's that's very popular in that field. But they were transferring me over to my chair. This is a couple weeks now after the wreck. And my heart just sank because I it hit me. I thought, this is going to be what life is like. I, I don't get up. I don't walk anywhere. I, I will now go from the bed to my chair, and if I'm not in my chair, I'll be back in the bed. That, that was hard for me to get my mind around, but God's grace was sufficient every, every step of the way.
0: Okay, this is a real important question, and we're going to extend this podcast a little bit because I want uh, people to know this. Was there a time that you became angry, or may I be even, it pushes a little bit, did you become angry with God Boy, that night in the car, uh, especially watching
1: the man that had hit me. Uh, he's up walking around, no injuries. At one point, he starts to come by my car, and um, I heard him ask the officer if I was going to be okay. And she responded by saying, we're not sure yet. Well, obviously, I wasn't. Uh, that was not intended for me to hear. And yet the, the panic and the fear has just struck me. And I became enraged at, at this man. I'm walking around. He's fine. I can't. I'm angry at God. I'm putting a list together in my mind as to why I think God is unjust to do this. I, I And my list included things like, look, I'm, I'm desiring to serve him in full-time ministry. I, I, I was at church that night. I'm trying to have a godly relationship with my fiance. And on my list, I smile and laugh at this now, uh, but but even on my list, I said I had stopped at the red light. I was obeying all the traffic laws, and and I had my list as to why I thought God was unfair uh, to do this to me. And uh, people ask, you know, did you struggle with anger and bitterness, and what did that look like, and um, and and when did you get over that? But really, so much of this was in the car, and God really worked in my heart. God really convicted me of my sin of not trusting him, of, of the anger and accusation that I was having against him. And uh, sitting in the car that night, I bowed my head and I prayed and I just said, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. If you can be glorified in some way in this, then 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 I will embrace this and, and trust you with this. And God gave a peace. And so, you know, people will ask, hey, when when was that turning point for you? But it was probably minutes after the wreck. And, and I'm not going to say everything was perfect moving forward. Uh, there was the ebb and flow of the disappointments and heartaches and, and successes and victories that came along the way. But I, I point people back to me sitting in that car, unable to move, and and just, just praying and being honest and, and real, uh, transparent with, with where I was, with where my heart was, and where it needed to be.
0: And so now you're a senior pastor. You were an assistant pastor for a while, and you've been a senior pastor. Now, now remind me, is it now five years, six years? I will finish up seven years here in, uh, in,
1: in the summer of 2022. And so um, I've I've been very, very blessed with the opportunity to uh, to be able to serve our Lord in full-time ministry.
0: That's amazing. And as we're talking here, uh, what, I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead, and uh, I think that that's going to stump our podcast for right now, because I think people need to just uh, understand there are many uh, people that might right now, oh, I'm not going to say in a pity party, but there are things that are hard, and, uh, and and you're coming in here as a wonderful example. And you and I know of people that have been bitter through their lives. I can recall that one man in when I was uh, serving in a ministry in California, and I went to visit as an assistant pastor, and his wife told me that Something had happened in a church, somebody said something, and in bitterness, he was trying to, quote, teach God a lesson, was angry with God for 10 years. A Christian man, it's just like, I've been hurt, and I'm going to teach God a lesson. So we deal with people, and maybe somebody you know that is listening to this podcast had a turn of events in their life that have gone against them and everything. I think you need to rewind and, and listen again to what Bobby is talking about. Yes, and you you bring up a good point. I've I have been this has been mentioned to me
1: multiple times that I need to forgive God for what he did to me. Just stop and think think about what that means. Uh and, and what Brad had alluded to as well. If I'm going to teach God a lesson, well, what you're gonna pick up through these podcasts is that our Lord is completely sovereign. He's orchestrating every single event. He does it for His glory. He does it to conform us into the image of His Son Jesus. And so, uh, the idea of forgiving God—that's um, just the reminder there that we aren't—we're com- not created for just this planet only, and God has plans that are infinite in, in nature toward us as it relates to the truth of eternity in heaven and, and the eternal state with him.
0: Very good. Boy, we're going to talk some more about this. What I'm going to do right now is thank you so much for being a Bobby. Thank you. And you're going to continue to talk with us now. We're going to have Bobby for some other podcasts. I appreciate you all listening. Questions about heaven as we talked about the limitations here on earth which can give us a heavenly perspective. And so thank you so much, and we will talk with you on our next uh, podcast. Thank you. This is Brad with Questions About Heaven with Pastor Bobby McCoy. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's x-u-l-o-n.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you and have a great day.